Hello and welcome to Labors for the Lord. Glad to be here this evening. Going to do a little Bible study here on the Apostle Paul. Uh, just kind of talking about his conversion. Uh, for those that don't know, before he was the Apostle Paul, he went by a different name. His name was Saul, Saul of Tarsus. And old Saul was not a not a very good person. He he was a persecutor of Christians. He he hated Christians. He despised them. He he hated the church and wanted to do anything that was within his power to get rid of the Christians and to get rid of the church. But he was soon faced with a a hard truth that that was not going to be happening. So we're going to just read about that a little bit and, and talk about it. Uh, going to be reading from the book of Acts, and that's going to be Acts chapter 9. And I am reading from the King James Version. So I'm just going to go ahead and, and jump right in this. Acts chapter 9. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest, and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. And hath seen a vision, a man named Ananias, coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles, the kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way, and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee, and the way as thou camest hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as if it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. 
I'm going to stop right there. I read uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 1 through 20. And just kind of going to go back and and talk about old Saul here a little bit. So what did we, in reading that, what did we learn about Saul? What could we say about him? Well, we could say that he's mean. He's angry. He's prideful. And he is on a mission to destroy the church and to... uh, to persecute Christians and bring them back to Jerusalem. And we know this just by looking at at the text here, just in verse 1. And Saul yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. Threatenings and slaughter, meaning murder. And so he goes to the high priest, and the high priest here would have been the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin uh, was a council, like a court. And that's where the high priest would have been. And the Sanhedrin had authority over the Jews in Damascus. And so Saul was asking the high priest for authority to go to Damascus and arrest these Christians there. And there would have been uh, a lot of Jews in Damascus. I think I heard there was like 30 or 40 synagogues in Damascus at this time. But you have to think about the hatred and the determination that Saul has. Damascus is 140 miles north of Jerusalem. It's, it's part of Syria today. And scripture leads us to believe that he was not going to be riding a horse or a donkey or anything like that. He was just going to be walking. And that would have you know, taken a week or more for Saul to get from Jerusalem to Damascus. But he's just walking there. He's just heading north, just, just on foot, just driven by his hate. And looking at verse 2 again, he said, And desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Any of this way. This this is the first time that Luke mentions this, uh, the way. Uh, This was what followers of Jesus, of the Messiah, it's what it was referred to back in these times it was the way now the jews they had their own way uh the the non-believers and they called it the way of walking which is referring to the ones that followed the law the old mosaic laws but here in this in in verse 2 when when luke says the way he's referring to the believers as followers of the messiah and so you have to think, who was it that, that started this new wave of persecution against the Christians in Damascus? Was it the Sanhedrin? Was it the high priest? No, it was just, it was Saul. It was, not, it was Saul. And he was not going to be happy until he dragged each and every last man and woman that believed and called on the name Jesus back to Jerusalem. So he journeyed north, headed to Damascus. Now, Damascus is one of the oldest cities in the entire world. Just a little uh, fun fact here. Uh, it was actually a city already in the days of Abraham. That's how, that's how long Damascus has been around. Uh, now, verse 7 tells us that, that Saul had men with him. And obviously, these men, they would have been armed. 
they were not going to Damascus to, to talk to these Christians, to break bread with them and kind of, you know, ask them like politely, like, hey, you know, if you wouldn't mind, could you, could you stop worshiping this Jesus and stop talking about him? You know, if you don't care, if it's not a problem. That's not what they were going there to do. They were going there to persecute these Christians. And on the way there, uh, if Saul or any of his men came across any Christians on their way to Damascus, it was probably a death sentence for them. <coughs> Excuse me. And in Scripture says, suddenly a light shined down around Saul. Now, this wasn't a light like a flashlight or a spotlight or anything like that. Uh, Acts 22 says that it was about noon, it was about midday when this took place, and that the light that, that shined down on him was bright enough to stand out against the backdrop of the noonday sun. Now this is the light from the glory of God that is shining down on him. And he falls to the ground because this light from God, it, it drives him to his knees. And, uh, and later in Acts, we, we learn that he actually saw Christ. And he hears a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why, why persecutest thou me? Now, he had to be uh, <laughs> completely shaken by this. Uh, verse 6 even says you know, he, he's trembling and, and uh, astonished by, by what's going on. And, you know, he's, he's now on the ground, on this road, you know, headed... To Damascus, he's on the ground confronted by Jesus to face the truth that Jesus of Nazareth is well and alive, just as these Christians had been proclaiming all along. Christ was exactly where he said he was going to be. He was reigning in glory, and Saul couldn't deny the the truth anymore. Uh, and you don't actually see in Scripture that he tries to defend himself before God. You know, I believe Saul he was. He was broken. One minute he was a leading figure uh, for the Jews, a man to be reckoned with. You know, he had a lot of authority. And now we see him, you know, he's on the ground, completely broken before God. Uh, I just want to clarify, so in verse 5, where Jesus tells him, he says, I am Jesus, uh, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now, pricks here, it, it means goads. Uh, to goad something. Uh, what a goad was back in these times, it was a stick that was blunt on one end and then it, on the other end it came down to a sharp uh, metal point. And farmers would use this to steer their ox or their horses or donkeys and if you know the ox or the mule tried to rear back and be unruly with them, this goad would it would stick their flesh and penetrate their flesh and obviously cause them a great deal of pain and that's ex essentially what Jesus is telling Saul here you can't kick against me anymore so and I've brought this question up before too and you and, I, and I've asked a couple different people I wonder if Saul ever prayed to God to use him well obviously he probably did. I mean, he believed in God, and he thought what he was doing was defending God in all this, uh, this persecution of the Christians and of the church. So he had to have been praying to God to guide him, to help him, defend him. But obviously, you know, 
God's not going to do that because he knows Saul is, he's on the wrong side of the fence, so to speak. And I would have to think that Saul might have questioned whether God heard his prayers or not. But the problem wasn't God. God could hear him just fine. Saul was the one that was not listening. Saul wasn't listening. You know, and it's it's not hard to, to make that mistake. It's not hard even for us to make that mistake, to not hear God. I mean, all we have to do is leave our Bibles shut, fail to live out what, what we read, fail to live out what we say we believe. It's easy to neglect God, and it's sad that it's it's so easy to do. But the grace of God, it changes everything. And it sure did for old Saul here. Now Luke tells us that the men with him, they heard a voice, but but they saw no man. They didn't see anyone. Based on Acts chapter 22, we know the men heard a voice speaking, but couldn't make out the words or understand what was being said. Now they knew that something of significance, something of importance was happening, but it was not their place to take part in the conversation that the Lord had with Saul. So looking at eight, let's see here, verse eight and nine. You know, here's Saul, completely humbled before God now at this point, led by the hand like a child into the city where he could reflect on what God had had done. God had tamed this man. He had tamed the, the angry line that was within Saul. You know, and here he is. He didn't eat anything for three days, didn't drink anything for three days, and he's blind for three days. Now, why blind? Why do you think blind? Well, it's the breaking of of his will. In order to put your trust into another person, you first need to be aware of your need. You know, in, in order to depend on someone else, you need to be brought to the point where you quit depending on yourself. And I would imagine that this broke Paul completely. You know, and here in, in, in Acts chapter 9, Saul's beginning to learn that he would no longer have confidence in the flesh, in, in, the, in the things of, of the world. Uh, everything he had once trusted in and, and, and bragged and boasted about, it was now going to be reexamined in the glory of Jesus Christ. You know, his world was, has, was completely flipped upside down and changed. Now, there's no doubt that after, after Paul's conversion that he had a ministry that was like few others. And what we're seeing here in Acts chapter 9 is the start of it. It's, it's the genesis of his ministry. And his conversion was so important to the life of the church that it's actually recorded three separate times. But now, the church of Christ, didn't, they didn't really trust Paul at first. And I mean, you can't really blame them. I mean, not really. And poor Ananias here, <laughs> it always makes me laugh when I think about it. Ananias almost backslides on the Lord. You know, when you look at verse 10 through 12, he says, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, arise and go into the street which is called straight and inquire of the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus for behold he prayeth you know and then Ananias moving down to verse 13 says I have heard 
by many of this man, how much evil he hath done to thy saints in Jerusalem, and that he has authority from the chief priests to bind all of us that call on your name, Lord. Now, you can't blame Ananias for being a little, you know, worried about doing this. But, you know, it's, it's funny. You, you look how God orchestrated all of these events, you know, just right here in this one chapter in the book of Acts. You know, Saul was praying, praying to Jesus Christ, you know, and I bet he never thought in a million years that he would ever be doing that. But here he is praying, and God showed him a man that would come in and restore his sight. And Ananias was that man, whether he liked it or not, he was that man uh, that would come to do that. So, you know, and, and God, God's telling Ananias, you know, to, to, to go to this man that is, you know, he is the biggest enemy of the church. But Saul was chosen by the Lord to bear witness to Jesus, the living Christ, before the Gentiles, before the kings and the children of Israel. And this is actually a prediction here that Paul would be on trial before the Gentiles, before the kings of the earth, and before the children of Israel. This, this is exactly what happened. He went on trial before the Gentile rulers, uh, Felix and Festus. He went on trial before King Agrippa. He gave testimony again and again in the synagogues. Paul even gave testimony to the Sanhedrin. And I believe it talks about that in Acts chapter 23. You know, this is all, uh, verse 15. Uh, you know, go thy way for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles, the kings, and the children of Israel. This is all a prediction of the ministry of Paul. The man who once violently persecuted the church would now be the one who would willingly accept persecution for the sake of the name Jesus Christ. And Paul suffered, man. He, he really suffered. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, Paul wrote, speaking of some of the suffering that he had to endure. Uh, let's say verse 24, he says, Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes minus one. Three times was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness and sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. But now, pay attention to this next part, what he says. And this is what really moves me. He says, Besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily is my deep concern for all the churches. And at the end of the day, that's what Paul, that's what his main focus, that's what his main concern was. He loved the church, and he would go through anything to make sure that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ was being, was being given out, was being taught. 
Paul once told Timothy, he said, For this reason I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all longsuffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. You know what that means? It means that Paul understood that the mercy and grace shown to him by the Lord Jesus Christ was the pattern for those that would come to believe in the name of Jesus. Meaning this, God has a, had us in mind when Jesus confronted Saul on that road to Damascus. The Lord converted Paul so that we could read of the grace of God and the love and the mercy of God. And part of his plan in confronting Saul was to give hope to us because grace changes everything. It really does. Grace changes everything. Well, I guess that's going to be it for now. I guess I'll wrap that up. And and I may do another one and, and talk about uh, Saul a little more, or I'm sorry, the Apostle Paul a little more. Definitely we'll read some of his epistles and, and, and study on those and things like that. But I just kind of wanted to go over his conversion and, and really talk about how important it was to the life of the church. So I thank anyone that, that listens to this, and I hope it blesses you and uh, I hope it inspires you to to pick your Bible up and to, to get into the Word of the Lord. You all have a blessed night, and I love you all, and I pray for you all. Thank you.